The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Truly, truly today, this will be a slightly shorter podcast. I almost don't see anything looking through the boxes from Monday and looking ahead to the Tuesday card. I almost don't see anything that's going to take us on one of my patented 10-minute weird tangential discussions. I almost... Famous last words. We'll see. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Welcome to Fantasy NBA Today. I am Dan Vespers, your host. Thank you again to everyone who's been tuning in all season long. It's been incredible. I want to take a minute at the outset, actually, today to just really that. Thank you, everyone, for listening to the show. Thank you, everyone, for listening to the show. It is, it's mind-boggling. It's mind-boggling. And it's all, and it's you guys, and it's and it's hoopball, and it's the guests, and it's just, it's so cool. It's so cool. Because I was looking, I was looking at, like, November of 2018, and comparing it to November of 2019, and... The, the growth in the show is almost double. Almost double. I, I just, I can't even, it's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. It's, one, it's so remarkable. The, the growth October over, over, over October was like 95%, and November over November is like 98%. I just, anyway, um, the word is cavelling. I'm cavelling. So now we're into December, we're rumbling along, uh, so massive thank you to everybody that continues to listen to the podcast. It is incredibly well appreciated, it does not go unnoticed, and um, I mean it. I'm just touched from the bottom of my heart. You guys have, have powered this locomotive, and we're just going to keep it rolling. Um, this is a hoop ball presentation, hoop-ball.com is the website, go check that out. I think the Cyber Monday deal is done now, but I don't know, you can try it out, I, what, what the hell do I know? Um, I think Black Friday is still the coupon code, or maybe it's Cyber Monday, I should know this thing before I go on air, uh, but you can get the, I, I, I think, no, the code is Cyber Monday, so code is Cyber Monday, try that out. Um, I think that might still work. See if it still works. Maybe they left it on by accident. That's for the uh, premium stuff. I'll show also brought to you by Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee Company. HawaiianIsles.com is the website. Hawaiian Isles on Amazon or H.I. Kona Coffee on Twitter. The most recent bruise letter went out yesterday. I hope everybody got on that. I did get a couple of notes from you guys saying you signed up after the fact and were asking for it. So I uh, hit you up on that front as well. And let's just dive right in. Short Monday card leading into a relatively short Tuesday card. Medium Tuesday card, I guess. Phoenix was at Charlotte. Aaron Baines was back out, this time with a calf strain, which meant Dario Saric moved back into the center position. Actually, Frank Kaminsky, I guess you could argue, was center. I don't know. One of them was center. One was power forward. Simple fact is they lost their big man, their true big man. And so uh, the Dario feed, uh, speed wagon pulled in with 10 more rebounds. Basically, as long as he's the center, he's worth using. Once he's asked to play power forward, he's just not as good anymore. There's the big man stats that make fantasy stat sets inflate, and if he's not next to the bucket, they're not going to come. 
Ricky Rubio was great. I know he only had nine points, but 13 assists, four steals, and a block. Terrific line for Rubio. He's back, and he's rumbling along again. Um, Kelly Oubre had 23. Three boards, two steals, a block, and a couple of three-pointers. Devin Booker, a little bit less efficient in this ball game. You know, the, the Rubio thing has been pretty helpful for him in general, but this one was a little bit of a step back. Mikael Bridges played 30 minutes in this ball game. He got going off the bench, had 12 and 8, two steals, and a block as well. Everybody had a block. Uh, but again, you got I mean, we need to see this a bunch of times in a row. We've seen the way his numbers fluctuate on a game-to-game, night-to-night basis, and it's just not trustworthy enough to where you can kind of hang on to it. In fact, if you look at for Bridges, some of his recent numbers, he played 36 minutes on November 21st. Since then, 23, 16, 12, 16, and then 30 yesterday. So if you can guess when it's going to happen, more power to you because 30 minutes and he's an easy fantasy value, but uh, 30 minutes coming once every six games, probably not going to cut the mustard. The Charlotte side was once again a total crapshoot. Terry Rozier had 13-7 and seven, uh, with three three-pointers, and that was decent. But in terms of the guys that were actually on a fantasy team, Devontae Graham, 15 points, 13 assists was a big number, but high volume, 26% from the field, really put a dent into his overall value. Uh, four turnovers hurt you as well. I mean, you're not really going to argue with it, but these are some of these little inefficiencies with Graham that keep him from rocketing up the charts. P.J. Washington is uh, down and out. I mentioned on yesterday's podcast he's a drop, and that is not changing, Not certainly not based on this ballgame. Miles Bridges fouled out, so old man Marvin got cooking. Bismack Biombo, by the way, played 26 minutes as the starter again. I can't believe that's holding. Cody Zeller, 18 minutes off the bench. Uh, presumably those guys will flip-flop at some point. We know how the Bismack thing always shakes out. If you have the stones to play Bismack Biombo, you got bigger stones than I do. By a lot. And no, I'm not picking up Marvin Williams. He, he got over the 30-minute mark, which is always the rule with him. If he plays 30 minutes, he's going to be a fantasy value. But this was a big-time outlier. He went 10 for 10 at the free-throw line in this ballgame. 22 points, 5 boards, 3 assists, a steal, 2 blocks, 5 out of 8 from the field, couple of 3-pointers. It ain't... It's that's not happening. I mean, this was like this show it off game. Maybe they can move him for somebody, but he, I believe he exercised an option that makes him kind of a difficult guy to trade. Nick Batum hurt his hand again. It's always the hand with Batum, wrist or hand or finger or thumb. I'm just glad to get his minutes back off the books. That'll help some of the younger guys who had kind of seen their minutes shaved since Batum came back. I don't know that there's an obvious one-to-one correlation here, but it'll be a few more minutes for Graham, for Rozier, for Malik Monk, for Dwayne Bacon, any of these fringy guys that I just mentioned at the end there. Um, I, it, nobody's getting picked up or dropped on this team based on this ball game. Utah got beat up in Philadelphia. I thought Utah would bounce back after getting throttled in Toronto, but as it turned out, the revenge angle was stronger. Philly, remember, lost in Utah in a close one. Joel Embiid didn't have that great of a ball game. Rudy Gobert did a really nice job on him, but every other spot on the floor, Philly won. Al Horford, 17-8-5 with a steal and a couple of blocks. He's quietly been a really nice fantasy player this year. And, and it's the same old story with Big Al. He's number 36, and no one would ever know. Unless you had him on your team, you would never know that he's number 36. 
which makes him a really weird guy to trade for. Like, try to go get him. I have no idea what a person with Al Horford is going to ask for, but, I mean, he's just doing the same old stuff. He always does. He's such an easy guy to play with. It's fantastic. So big Al chucking along. Uh, Matisse Thybulle had a pretty good game off the bench. Furkan Korkmaz got the start in replace of Josh Richardson, but I'm not trusting either of those guys. Ben Simmons nearly triple-doubled. Tobias Harris at 26-9-3, and and it was the usual fare. On the Utah side, we did have a little bit of news. Mike Conley left in the third quarter with hamstring tightness. He had seven points, six assists, a steal, a block, and a three-pointer at the time. So he was actually having an okay ball game. And it allowed Joe Ingles to step in, not necessarily and just play more, because Ingles gets playing time. He just isn't doing anything with it. And now, if this turns him into the de facto point guard of the team, there could be some short-term value there. It's not enough for me to go and blow a roster spot, because we love Ingles. Everybody, we, I mean, we have for many years, but this just isn't his, it's just not his time or place right now. He's number 220. Uh, but presumably this is an avenue. He's still 100% owned in all of my leagues, so uh, it's not like I can go about and get him anyway. But if you've been hanging on and hanging on too long at this point, you're actually going to potentially get rewarded if Conley has to miss any playing time. Boyan Bogdanovich got locked down in each of the last two ball games. He'll be fine. It's just a couple of cold ones. He'll heat back up soon enough. Uh, and Donovan Mitchell has slowed a bit after his incredibly hot start. Um, where is he sitting now? Still decent. Right around number 30. So not too bad. Um, the steals have been trending up, which is nice. That's floating things a little bit. Um, but everything else is right around his ADP. Okay. I accept that. Golden State, boy, are they bad. Woof, woof, are they bad. Trey Young was not good for Atlanta in this ballgame, but they didn't need him. DeAndre Hunter played pretty well. Damian Jones played pretty well. DeAndre Bembry got a bunch of defensive stats and didn't have to shoot a free throw, so that was useful. Uh, Alex Len even had 11 points off the bench in a low-scoring, fugly basketball game. Eric Pascal, uh, 24-9-6, he was the warrior if you played the... Warrior mashup game. It was Pascal was the winning ticket in this one. Um, when Draymond Green sits out, Kai Bowman has a better shot at value because they need a point guard. So he had ten and eight with three assists, three steals, and a block, but five turnovers. Willie Cauley Stein started at center but only played nineteen minutes. Kevon Looney started at power forward in this game, played fourteen and a half minutes in his return, had two points, two rebounds, and two blocks. And this is why you don't start guys their first game back after a six-week injury for a neuropathy. He is going to be fine. I'll tell you, I love the fact that he got a couple of blocks in this ball game, Tied for the team lead with Kali Stein. At some point, I assume they're going to play those guys separately. I, I don't understand the Kali Stein-Kevon Looney front court. That is bad floor spacing 101. Alec Burks took a hit, missed a bunch of shots. This is why we just, it's really hard to trust any of these guys. And Glenn Robinson slipped back into low usage mode, and so he was bad. And so you figure out which guy is going to be good on any given night. And for me right now, it's basically just Looney or bust. If Looney doesn't pan out, I'll drop him, I'll move on. Uh, but I'm stashing him. I want to see how he looks by the end of this week and really by next week around this time. About a week from today, if he's playing minutes in the mid-20s, I'll feel pretty good about things. 
I think he'll have more looks. Sadly, the lack of any sort of shooting around him is going to make life more difficult. I believe the D'Angelo Russell return at some point is going to be really useful for Looney. I think Draymond Green actually be useful for Looney. Just be guys that can move the basketball a little bit. I mean, this team is supposed to be built on, on ball movement. They had 17 assists in this ball game. Yuck. Again, if you're looking... I mean, I'm guessing there are probably going to be some folks that look at this game from Looney and abandon ship immediately, which is just insanity. This is his second game of the year. He played 10 minutes in the season opener before departing with uh, a, a fairly serious injury that kept him out for six weeks. Came back. I'm encouraged by the fact that he played 15 minutes. I thought he'd play 8 or 10 his first game back. So 15 is a good sign. I would imagine they get him up maybe to 18 in his next game out. And maybe into the 20s by that game on Friday. So hopefully into the 20s by Friday. If not, I would think by first thing next week. And then you're looking at a guy that, with this batch of weirdos around him, should be able to work his way to 10 or 11 shots a game by at some point. And then you're talking about a high percentage guy. Maybe he only needs 8 or 9 shots. I, you know, you don't, you don't have to get over 10 as an efficient big man. He's going to rebound. You know, I know I didn't, he only grabbed 2 in this one, but he's working his way back into shape. And I think he'll end up playing center, which will be a big deal for his fantasy value. Just get Willie Cauley-Stein out of the way, and he can slide in there and be a little more comfortable. Miles Turner had a decent ball game for Indiana. That was nice to see. Brogdon, Sabonis, they all looked good. Jeremy Lamb. TJ Warren had some foul issues. Actually, Sabonis did as well. Um, and that allowed Justin Holiday another decent ball game. Holiday's going to get hurt when Oladipo comes back, because it's going to push Jeremy Lamb, I would think, to the bench. And then he'll become that bench punch. And I don't know what happens to the rest of these guys at that point. Uh, but I see Miles Turner put up a decent, well-rounded basketball game. Memphis got a big one from Jaron Jackson Jr. at long last, and he didn't foul out. He came close. He had five personals. But 31-4-2, and two, a steal, a couple of blocks, and two three-pointers. That's a big one. Well done, JJJ. Solomon Hill had a big ball game, which... Certainly won't happen on a night-to-night basis. DeAnthony Melton, in relief of Tyus Jones, had a good one as the backup point guard. Dylan Brooks had 19. He really does fit the bill as a points league guy. And Tyus Jones, in a super low usage role, did have six assists and a block, but overall that was a bit of a letdown. Jay Crowder has stopped getting steals and blocks, which is kind of what I was worried about. They were coming in at the beginning of the year. They've slowed up. I still think that he's a guy that... While he's getting, you know, he played 29 and a half minutes in this game, and as I've assigned before, I need to see him over the 30-minute mark. That's my line. So if he if he slides back into the 28 range, I would probably make him a cut. He needs those extra three or four minutes out there. And he had a terrible shooting game on this one, so that uh, was not a huge help. Um, but I'm, not, I'm hanging on there. Everybody has a bad game every once in a while, and, and overall he's been doing enough with threes, rebounds, and assists in general. And I'm hoping now we'll get a little punch. There'll be a couple of games mixed in here where he gets you some defensive stats, and that kind of evens out a little bit. Woof! The Knicks smoked by the Bucks, 44, the final margin of this ballgame. They 50%ed them! The number of the day is 44, ladies and gentlemen. The Knicks scored 44 times 2. The Bucks scored 44 times 3. Yowza. 
Julius Randle was crummy again. Did at least make 9 out of 11 free throws in this ball game. Man, he's a bad fantasy pick. Mitchell Robinson looked good. 4 points, 14 rebounds, a steal, and 3 blocks. Played 23 and a half minutes and didn't foul out. Almost fouled out, but didn't quite. Even if it's garbage time, the, the upside is so crazy with a guy that can block shots like that. I, I'm, I'm fully on board with buying low on Mitchell Robinson. Meanwhile, the Bucks really didn't need any time at all. Um... I was talking on the weekly lineup show with Brandon yesterday about some of the bucks that I was thinking about sitting this week, and this was a big reason why. I thought that they would play some lower minutes, and they did. You know, like Eric Bledsoe, 6.7 boards, 4 assists, but he only played 19 and a half minutes. They won this game in two, in basically two quarters. Giannis was able to overcome it, although he missed a boatload of free throws again. Chris Middleton at 16 and 7 in only 18 minutes. Robin Lopez streaming for Brooke Lopez only played 22 minutes. That's rough, man. That's a rough go when you're not going to get most of a basketball game. Chicago, Sacramento. Uh, I'm intrigued by one thing in this game, and that one thing is Chris Dunn. And it's not necessarily that he has this brilliant fantasy game that's going to get unleashed all of a sudden. And I don't even know that this is going to last because Chandler Hutchinson is out and he may slide back in there after he recovers from his shoulder injury and, and be the starting guard alongside Zach Levine again. Uh, but Chris Dunn in the starting lineup seems to have given the Bulls a little bit of life. It has, however, kind of killed Tomas Sadoransky because he's now... Sato is already sort of a low-usage guard, and playing behind Zach Levine as a low-usage guard, you can find your opportunities. Playing behind two ball-dominant guards, well, I don't know where he would fit in at that point. So my massive Sato love is being put on a state of hiatus here while we figure out what the hell's going on with the starting lineup. I'll say this. I'm willing to use my last roster spot on Chris Dunn just to see how this whole thing shakes itself out. I don't know if it's going to be anything at all. There's a very real chance that he moves right back to the bench as soon as Hutchinson is healthy. But there's also a chance that the Bulls say, well, I mean, bleep it. We actually competed here for a couple of ball games, and maybe Chris Dunn had something to do with that, getting in there playing some defense that perhaps they weren't getting. Sliding Zach Levine up a spot on the floor instead of down. You know, Hutchinson is, is a, uh, you know, Dunn's a relatively big point guard, so we'll give him that. But by all accounts, he now is the point guard, whereas with Levine on the floor, with Hutchinson and Sato, it's not really clear. Sato's the point guard, but he's also sort of the biggest, he's the wing. Is Levine a wing? They had three wings, but nobody really out there playing point. And maybe that's a bigger issue on defense than I realized. None of the guys really knowing how to, set up the D. So perhaps, and obviously this is the the jury is very much out on any of this stuff. Perhaps Chris Dunn earns a starting spot and plays 28, 29 minutes of ball game. Maybe that's what they want out of it. If that's the case, he becomes a top 100 point guard because of steals and assists alone, and you can't miss that. You sort of have to grab it. And again, it's really just a kind of to see how it goes sort of thing. 
I don't know who you're dropping for someone like Chris Dunn. I really don't. Um, because I wouldn't, I wouldn't spend too many reasonable roster spots on him. But there are definitely teams that I'm picturing in my own head while I'm talking about this guy where I'm like, yeah, use him there. Use him there. I'll flip him onto a roster. You can too. If I can do it, you can do it. <laughs> Look at that. We got through Monday in only 20 minutes. I told you this was going to be a shorter podcast. I think we can do it. I uh, want to throw in the reminder once again, if you guys want to get involved with us here at HoopBall, send me a tweet at Dan Vespers or send an email to teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. But really more than anything, before I turn my attention to the seven-game Tuesday, I just wanted to remind everybody to please, if you love the podcast, drop that five-star review on it. Drop that five-star review on this bad boy. If you have constructive criticism, by the way, you can hit me with it on Twitter. I'm not... I'm not a weak man. If you have something you want to hear differently, let me know. I've worked really hard to take what were six, five, six-minute intros and turn them into two- or three-minute intros. I know that's still too long for some of you guys, but that is way shorter than it used to be. You have to admit that. My kid thinks so. He, he thinks it's great. You're laughing in the background. My boy, my little three-year-old. Uh, so please do take a moment. If you if you love it, uh, honestly, you could get, give me a five-star review and then give me your critical feedback on Twitter for all I care. I take it all in stride. I think about all of these things. If you have thoughts on the show, I, again, I'm not bashful. You can hit me with them on Twitter. Uh, but if you're going to leave a review, please do leave a nice one. Do so by booting up iTunes on your computer or bringing up the podcast app on your Apple-branded mobile device. Uh, use the search function to search for Fantasy NBA Today, which is what you're listening to right now. Click on the show title, not the episode, the show title. It's the big logo, sort of up near the top left uh, after you search for the name, and then scroll to the bottom. The rating review is down near the bottom of that page. Flip that five-star review, and I will love you forever. Forever and ever. Tuesday, Detroit is at Cleveland. I don't really care about anything in this basketball game. Orlando is at Washington. I do care about a couple things in this basketball game. I care about Markel Fultz right now, whose role has increased dramatically with Nikola Vucevic out. Uh, I have to admit, I didn't see that particular development coming. I, I figured Evan Fournier would do more. He has. I figured Terrence Ross would do more. He has. What I wasn't sure about and what has now come to fruition is that Markel Fultz is playing alongside DJ Augustine as sort of the uh, point guard shooting guard. Because Augustine's playing a little bit more off-ball there, the guy that can shoot a little bit better. And Fultz, because there's no Vooch on the floor to create, he's the creator on that team. Make no mistake. When Vooch is on the floor, the offense runs through him every time. It's a pick-and-roll, it's a post-up, whatever. There are very few offensive sets where he doesn't touch the basketball. He's out. And so they're kind of figuring things out because Aaron Gordon didn't turn out to be the crazy playmaker that they hoped he would. It's been Fultz that's actually stepped up quietly out of the limelight, and he's played really well over the last couple of weeks. And I got to give the kid credit. Um, you know from listening to this podcast, we've always rooted for him to get over whatever that yips thing was, and it seems like he he's turned a corner, shooting 80% at the foul line. That was one of the spots where you saw a lot of the weirdness. It even happened early this year, and it seems like he's kind of powering his way through. 
The key to success right, the success for, for Fultz right now is the fact that he's playmaking, though. And that's what worries me if when Vooch comes back, the offense once again runs through him. They don't need Fultz to create the way he has been the last week and a half. You know, there's a reason you look at his games and there is a pair of nine assist basketball games in there. It's because those are the days where no one else is getting anything going and he's got to just start attacking, get downhill, try to find people, get layups. He doesn't shoot three-pointers. So it's going to be hard for him to, to stay at that high mark that he's at right now. He's number 100 over the last two weeks. He's been better than that over the last week. He's number 99. But the problem, again, is that you know, turnovers are going to be relatively high while he's playmaking. No three-pointers. Uh, the free throw percent fluctuates a little bit. Decent field goal percent for a guard. But those holes, even if it's just two or three categories, is enough to hold a guy back, fantasy-wise. But he's been useful lately. I, I don't know what the rest of the season's going to bring, but I am watching him here. Uh, on the Washington side, I, like I told you guys, I have Isaiah Thomas on my bench. I just I don't like the way his usage has looked in general lately. It was a little bit better in that game against the Clippers, but I didn't watch that game live. It's one of the few I didn't get a chance to view. Um, we were out at, at a function on Sunday night, so I missed the late game. Um, if he's able to put up some decent usage numbers again in this one, maybe I'll start to rebuild that confidence. But he's actually the kind of guy right now I would think about dropping for someone like a Chris Dunn, just in case it sticks. Just because the roles that you're looking at, the roles have to profile. And right now for IT, it's just not really profiling right. Mo Wagner was hurt. We'll see if he's ready to go in this ball game. He's another interesting sort of guy to watch on that Washington side. And then let's, let's see what Rui Hachimura can do as a follow-up to his big one against L.A. Miami is at Toronto. Raptors have been kicking ass and taking names. So have the Heat. Kelly Olynyk didn't play, basically, in their last ballgame. He played six minutes, did nothing, which sucks. Uh, I had him going in a lot of places, and that goose egg hurt like hell. Um, and it makes me worried that Justice Winslow is going to take his minutes whenever they play a team that goes a little bit small. Curses. Miami could very well be a two-horse team, as we were saying uh, could be just Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo, but obviously we'll keep a close watch on it because Kendrick Nunn is trending down as the team is getting healthy. Harrow and Dragic have long since trended down. Uh, so now it's just everybody down, except for Butler and Bam. Those guys are just locked in. For Toronto, let's see what Serge Ibaka does in his second game back. Does he take the wheels off of a guy like Rondé Hollis Jefferson? We already saw Chris Boucher got pushed out to the periphery by those two uh, more veteran presences. Do we see Marcus Gasol lose a couple of minutes if they go Ibaka at the five and Rondé at the four? I think you'll see some big men out there because Adebayo can't shoot, and they're going to have to try to keep him off the glass. But uh, let's keep an eye on that. I, I think I'm probably throwing Serge into my lineups in places where I have him. He looked pretty good his first game back, even if the minutes were a tiny bit lower than his season mark. But his season mark was only 22-23 anyway. He's not going to get those 28 to 30 minutes. He's not going to get into that 75 range because of it. Um, you're looking more at a 95, probably. Dallas at New Orleans. Uh, Derek Favors is still out dealing with the death of his mother. Incredibly sad story. Hopefully he's back soon. But I, I do like the fact that apparently his health is now improved. So he'll be good to go um, when he's mentally ready to go. J.J. Redick, Josh Hart, Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, Drew Holiday. They're going five guards, basically, at this point. Five guards and wings. 
For Dallas, Tim Hardaway Jr. is the guy to watch on this Tuesday card. He's He's been hit or miss, obviously running hot and cold a tad, and his value is tied to his scoring quite a bit. But I like the steals. I love the fact that the three-pointers are in very high supply. Um, he, he could really end up being a top 90 type of guy if this thing sticks. So I'm holding on to him anywhere I've got him. Delon Wright had one really good ball game, and I don't believe that we'll see another one, but maybe we do. I wish we would, but I have no reason to believe that we will. Houston, San Antonio, we are waiting on word on LaMarcus Aldridge. I believe he is questionable for this game. It's a two-game week for the Spurs. You know how they operate. This is the opportunity. They circled this week almost without question coming into the season. They circled this week and said, this is the week where we're going to get our guys a little bit of a breather. There's no question. So they rolled into Detroit and got spanked by a bad Pistons team. And now they're going to come home to play Houston. They've got another game. What the hell is, uh, I think that's Friday, against Sacramento. And then they don't play for six days. So I have a sneaking suspicion that you might just see LaMarcus Aldridge sit out three games in a row. And if he sits out three games, he basically gets two weeks off. 13 days in that stretch. They played, Aldridge played, and they beat the Clippers on the 29th of November. He sat out their game on the 1st. He could sit out their game tonight. He could sit out their game on the 6th. And so you go from the 29th to the 12th, that's two weeks off, and he only has to sit three games. Don't be surprised, is all I'm saying. Maybe you get him in there against Sacramento because there's such a long break between, but if he's even the slightest bit dinged up, easy opportunity to sit him for a long haul. It's like, the, oh, okay, you played six straight weeks. Here, take a two-week break. And then on week eight, towards the end of week eight, we'll get you back in the lineup, and then you can just truck along for another six to eight weeks, and then you're basically the all-star break. Have another week and a half long break. And then play down the stretch if we're still competitive, which maybe we will be. I don't know. Um, meanwhile, on the Houston side, I'm hoping Daniel House is good to go, but uh, he is also questionable, and that one really feels like it's a real game-time decision as opposed to um, whatever's going on here with Aldridge, which I believe to be heavily leaned toward scheduled rest days. By the way, Dallas beat New Orleans a second game of the year back on October the 25th in a game that was actually fairly competitive. If you're wondering about revenge angles, that one um, does get on the radar. Just looking back at some of these games already. Uh, Lakers are in Denver. Denver favored by two is just screaming for people to bet on the Lakers. There's going to be so much public money on the road underdog in this game. I think the Nuggets win this one. This is going to be a hell of a test. For LA. Nuggets are good, and they just got beat by the Kings on the road. That's another. Every once in a while, they need their little wake up call, Denver does. And we've seen now that if teams play really disciplined defense, the Lakers need to be able to get out and run a tiny bit, and they just they didn't have it in that last game against Dallas. You know what Dallas did that really killed the Lakers is they just made a damn shot every time. I watched that third quarter from start to finish. That was obviously where the game turned on its head. 
The Mavs went on a 9-0 run early in the quarter and a 13-0 run later in the quarter, and they just scored every time. They went into a zone. The Lakers couldn't figure it out. It was really smart, by the way. The Mavericks waited until just the right moment to deploy it. It had to be the right lineup, and the Lakers couldn't figure it out. Denver has a better defense than Dallas. I don't know if it's going to be the same sort of gimmicky thing that the Lakers were sort of caught off guard with, but they're very disciplined. The rim protection isn't that great for the Nuggets, which is going to give someone like an Anthony Davis, someone like a LeBron, a little bit more of an opportunity. But they're going to have to score. That's what the Nuggets are going to have to do that Dallas did a great job of. you got to put the ball in the hoop, force the Lakers back on their heels a little bit. Um, should be a hell of a ball game. I think it's going to be a good one. And everybody's talking about sort of, you know, these tests for the Lakers. They did have a relatively easy November schedule, at least compared to what they have coming up. Um, but, you know, they also had a couple of decent victories mixed in there. They just had a nice stretch. They were, you know, the 10-game win streak was heavily against teams that are not going to make the playoffs. That's just a simple fact. I love the Lakers, but, you know, the road win over San Antonio doesn't feel quite as good. Earlier in the season... They beat the Mavericks on the road. That's a pretty good win. They beat Utah at home. That's a pretty good win. They beat the Heat. That was a good win. Road win at Phoenix. So there are a few mixed in there, but yeah, things get a little tougher now. Dallas, Denver, Utah right in a row. Portland is in there. Miami again. Indiana, Milwaukee, and another Denver. The Clippers. Mavs again later in the month. December is a tougher one. I'm excited, though. It's a fun time, man. It's a fun time to be a Laker fan and an NBA fan in general. Fantasy-wise, I don't care. Uh, JaVale McGee is a guy that I I do sort of like, but, you know, whatever. You guys know the story with JaVale McGee. He's going to be a fringy big man and get you some rebounds, steals blocks, and field goal percent, and then you just have to hope he's out there long enough to get a couple of dunks and not get to the free throw line. Pray. And so we pray. The Portland Trailblazers are taking on the Clippers. They lost to the Clippers earlier this year in L.A. Only by six. Pretty good ball game, actually. Blazers won three in a row. Competition has been particularly whack for them uh, after losing in Cleveland at the end of a five-game road trip that just drained them. They came back, uh, or rather the second-to-last game, the final game of the road trip, they beat Chicago, came back home, beat Oklahoma City, and then Chicago again. Uh, Now they have the Clippers, the Kings, the Lakers in a row, so that'll also even out for the Trailblazers. Um... Uh, Carmelo Anthony is obviously the guy to watch. This is going to be a tougher test against someone like a Jermichael Green some of the time. I mean, I don't know if they slide Kawhi Leonard up to play any four. Maybe Mo Harkless gets in there. This will be a little bit of a tougher test than the Chicago Bulls and the Oklahoma City Thunder. A little bit of a tougher test. But as I said on yesterday's show, he's been better than I expected. He might actually creep his way towards top 109 cat. If the opportunity remains there, which it looks like it will, and he doesn't take too many horrible shots, that's how everything goes down the toilet for Mello. Meanwhile, on the Clippers' side, apparently they have a bunch of back-to-backs coming up, and so we can feel sad. Um, later on, they've, they've got a road trip that starts later this week on Friday. I believe they go back-to-back next Sunday, Monday. And then I think they have another back-to-back later in that same road trip. So you're, you're safe for this week. And then if you're a Kawhi Leonard guy, you're going to be looking at a 
a couple of missed games likely next week and towards the end of next week. So just plan ahead if you feel so inclined. Um, so that's a little bit of a revenge game as well. We told you Portland already lost to the Clippers. Um, we told you New Orleans already lost to Dallas. I think the only other one that I was looking at was uh, Detroit and Cleveland. I think they've played already once this year. I got to double check on that. Nope, I was wrong. They have not. So that one does not fit on the ledger. So we've uh, we've got a couple. A lot of fantasy stuff going on on this Tuesday evening card, though. I, this is fun. This is, you know, I mentioned on yesterday's show, there's, there's these ebbs and flows. Guys are starting to come back now, which creates sort of a new ebb and flow on things. But we're also getting teams trying some new stuff. We can call the beginning of December sort of the failed experiment period of the NBA season, where bad teams have decided to revamp their attack and see if they can't, you know, snatch a win from the jaws of defeat every once in a while by just moving some bodies around and trying some new guys in the lineup. Oh, I was wrong. Washington, by the way, lost to Orlando earlier this year, so there is uh, there is one additional one. That Boy, three revenge games out of seven. We're in that part of the year, too. So this is a fun time to see teams that are inserting new bodies. You know, Orlando is related to injury, but for Washington, it's, you know, Isaiah Thomas, and is he in the wrong spot of the lineup? Is Mo Wagner is a guy that's going to be coming on as the season progresses? For Miami, guys are coming back from injury, and is that going to kill everybody? Toronto, the same question. Dallas, Tim Hardaway is a guy that got inserted, and it seems like it's led to good things. Floor spacing, a little bit more scoring out there because Porzingis really hasn't been it. New Orleans is getting healthy. San Antonio's trying Derek White in the starting lineup, so at least that is a new look. There's all sorts of fun stuff. Portland signed Carmelo Anthony, for goodness sake. A lot of interesting things getting tried out here. Six weeks, now seven, I guess, we're week seven. Six and change weeks into the NBA season. So there's the beginning of the year, cross-section number one. That's, that's the first quantum little packet of time when a whole bunch of stuff that we didn't see coming occurs. By the way, less and less every year because the more we study this thing, the more we're caught by surprise, less. Um, the next chunk of time is sort of like weeks four, five, and six where we've settled in and we're looking for stashes. We're looking for streamers. Injuries start to happen at that point of the year. Now we're into week six, seven range where you start to see experimentation. That's the third part of the season. So you got the opener. You got the injury bug, the first injury chunk. You've got the experimentation. And pretty soon we're going to get into the holidays. That's where more weird stuff goes down. But that really impacts things from a betting perspective, I would say, more than the fantasy side. I did it, guys. I did it. I said it was going to be shorter, and we're going to keep it to around 40 minutes today. Get this bad boy jammed into your, your morning or afternoon commute, I think. Good for me. Uh, thank you again. That's everybody that's uh, left reviews on the podcast. Please continue to do so. I appreciate it forever, as I said. Big smooches to all of you. I am Dan Vespers at Dan Vespers on Twitter. Tomorrow, Brandon Marcus on the pod. We'll get into buy low, sell high. It's Brandon Day tomorrow. Didn't know if you guys knew that. Uh, then Thursday, we'll have just a, a standard. We'll break down the giant Wednesday card. Thursday is always a, a long show because there's a whole lot of basketball to talk about. Um, Wednesday is, I think, what, 10 games this week? So that'll have plenty of work to do. And then Friday, after a four-game Thursday card, we'll obviously set ourselves up for the long weekend ahead. 
and then we'll do it all over again. Make sure to sign up for the Brews Letter, guys. Hoop-Ball.com slash newsletter. If you're not on it, you're missing out because thousands of people you're playing against are getting it as well. Have a great medium-sized Tuesday. Let's go add some weirdos. Let's see what happens. We'll talk to you tomorrow. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.